We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another episode of Bring the Juice. Your guys, Cody and Derek, back for another episode, guys. And in this one, we are going to talk about these six candidates right now. As of right now, we are recording on a Sunday evening. As of right now, these are the six candidates that the Indianapolis Colts have brought back or requested to bring back four second interviews. Uh, just a note here, Dan Quinn has officially dropped out his name a few days ago from the head coaching search. Uh, he is going to stay as DC for the Dallas Cowboys. So with that being said, the Colts brought in a couple other guys as well. Uh, just want to kind of name these six guys that the Colts have brought in. There's been rumors about potentially a seventh guy. We don't know who that is as of right now, but that very much could change very soon. You know, with guys like D'Amico Ryan's now being out of, you know, the playoffs and, you know, some other guys I know like Mike Kafka has been a name that had a first interview that we thought maybe would have a second interview um, and a few other guys as well there. Brian Callahan being the other one, probably those would be probably the three out of the three guys. Probably one of those would get that seventh interview. If the Colts do go with seven right now, it's just six. Here are the six names in no particular order. Jeff Saturday, Wink Martindale, uh, Jero Evero, uh, Raheem Morris, Rich Basachia and Shane Steichen. So with that being said, we are going to do our power rankings here of these six coaching candidates. And we're going to kind of give reasons why we think these guys are these ways. And there's some guys that are clearly, you know, either this one or that one. And there's some other guys where it's like, I put them here, but I could be swayed either one way or the other in terms of power rankings. But this is kind of the one that is Derek and I were talking these are the six guys in the order from sixth all the way to our favorite candidate here. So let's start with the number six candidate, Derek. Who might that be if anybody doesn't know? I think a lot of Colts fans feel the same sentiment, but let me know your thoughts here, Derek, on number six. Yeah, I think you and I and a lot of Colts Nation agree with this one. And number six is going to be uh, Jeff Saturday, who is the interim head coach for the Indianapolis Colts this year. I think the reason you give him that title at number six right now is just because of a lot of the other candidates that you have in your arsenal right now. They have a lot more of that coaching experience. 
they have a little bit more of what you're looking for in a coach uh, to lead a team. And I just think from a game management standpoint, from a player personnel standpoint, that I think there are other coaches that can do the job better than what Jeff Saturday can. No doubt that Jeff Saturday understands the game of football and knows how to win games. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to, based on head coaching, you, you it only results in wins. Like if you don't gain wins, then you don't keep your job very long. And for the simple matter of, I mean, we talked about, you know, some people have tried to make the argument of why Jeff Saturday should be back because statistically the Colts got a little better over the span of things, but clearly it wasn't very great. I'm not going to totally knock him for that. I mean, it's kind of, you know, the Colts roster is not built very well right now, but uh, the big problem that you had is, is whether it was intentional or not, the Colts blew a lot of leads in the back half of that season. I mean, there were multiple games that the Colts should have won and didn't end up winning uh, by blowing huge leads. And it just goes to show you that, you know, when the, when the going gets going and you need Jeff Saturday to manage the game properly, he didn't do it very well. And regardless of who you had on the roster at that time, you know, we questioned his ability to uh, tell guys to, you know, run the football, uh, taking care of the football. That didn't get better. And blowing these big leads like what we saw with the Vikings uh, that one weekend in December. So, of course, you know, that all comes back on the head coach. And, you know, he didn't do a very good job. So I think that there are other guys that could do that job better. So that's why Jeff Saturday is here, number six for the power rankings. It's so weird because it doesn't matter if we put him at six, if we put him at one, somebody's going to be mad. Like, that's just kind of how, how it is with Jeff Saturday. Now, I will say this. Uh, fans are funny in that way, um, how, the, how that works. But I'll say this. You know, Jeff Saturday obviously was not put in a good situation. It was not a great situation at all. Like, no doubt, like bad situation for Jeff Saturday. Uh, nobody expected him to come in and, you know, have lead the Colts to the playoffs or anything like that. Like that wasn't the expectation. But I think what we saw, Derek, wasn't just the fact that the Colts weren't winning. It's how they were losing games. I think that was more important. And Ballard said it at the end of the year presser, right? The Colts less lost their competitive motivation, right? Their competitive spirit, right? Because that's one thing, like say what you want about Frank Reich as a head coach, but you know, for the most part of his tenure, the Colts showed fight. They showed fight even when it seemed like they were down a ton, right? Or it seemed like the game was, they couldn't win that game. They still showed that fight and they still, you know, had that kind of competitive spirit, if you will, even if they lost some close games at times um, and in other reasons. But, you know, that just kind of, it feels like ever since really the, the Jacksonville game last year to this season, that just was you know, slowly going. And then when Reich was fired, it was like after that Raiders game, it was gone, man. It was just completely gone. And the Colts just found ways to lose. They, you know, we talked about it all the time. They basically snatched defeat out of the jaws of victory, right? Right. And to some degree, whether you think Saturday is getting a fair shake of it or not, that's a different topic for a different video. You have to admit on some level that Jeff Saturday has to be held responsible for this. In some way, right? Because the Colts were not even competitive in some games, right? 
They weren't even competitive in certain games. They were they were not they were lifeless down the stretch. Like they lost to the worst team in football. Which is like which is weird because people were saying, you know, they were practicing harder under Jeff Saturday than what they were with Frank Reich. That tells you something, but at the same time, they didn't translate. Didn't translate. You practiced harder, but didn't translate much. And I think the biggest problem is is I think from this coaching perspective, and it's something that we talk about and Colts fans talk about, but we're not actually putting that into um, the arguments as to why some of these coaches are ranked the way they are. And I'll say this. It is how do you develop your quarterback that you're about to get and who do you bring on staff with you? I don't know who Jeff Saturday is going to bring on the staff with him. I don't know who his connections are. I don't know how I trust that. I don't know how I feel about that. He's got media guys in there with him. But what what coaches right now want to be a coach under Jeff Saturday? Who wants to do that? And then on top of it, like I said, with mentoring and developing a quarterback, no doubt Jeff Saturday could be a good mentor. I don't know how I feel about him bringing a guy in and developing him. I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know how I feel about Jeff Saturday's specific reasoning to go and get a specific quarterback and how to develop him. I think that there are other guys more qualified to do that task. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, no knock against Jeff, but yeah, like he just hasn't been in the coaching circles. So like he doesn't know, he doesn't have the kind of connections that pretty much every other guy, every other candidate has to some degree, right? It's just, it's just a reality of not having any coaching experience at the NFL level. That's just a part of it. And so, yeah, especially if you're, you know, wanting to do kind of a soft rebuild with your roster, you want to develop a rookie quarterback. Like why in the world would you want to go with a guy with, literally no head coaching experience and no experience, you know, maybe having a guy that can develop him. How are Colts fans supposed to trust that? Like, I just don't think you can do that. And you can honestly sell that to fans. I really don't think you can. Um, so for those reasons, and I want to say this because people just think we are going all in on Jeff. You know, we hate Jeff. We think he's a terrible, you know, we're not, this is not personal at all. We love Jeff Saturday as a player. He was a great player. He's a great human being. No yeah. doubt about that. There's no question. He said the same thing about Frank Reich, bro. Like, I mean, again, we wished him luck when he went to Carolina. I have no ill will against Frank Reich. How he ended with us, I mean, at the end of the day, he may not have been the coach for us. That's just how it is. I mean, it's the business. Guys move on from businesses all the time. There's very few people that get to spend 10, 15, 20 years in a place at once because those guys are elite at their jobs and what they do. It's Frank Reich just wasn't one of them, and Jeff Saturday most likely is not one of them. It's not personal. Like you said, it's business. And Again, we can we may feel one way about them professionally, but at the same time, if we saw them and we uh, interacted with them as human beings, we'd have nothing but respect and love for them because that's the kind of people they are. Absolutely. Yep. So just wanted to preface it with that because I know there will be some people who one way or another, like either you're not being hard enough on Jeff or you're being way too hard on Jeff. And so I think we're bringing the facts here. We're trying to take all the emotional connection out of this one. And just being completely real and honest, like just how we feel about Jeff Saturday as a head coach. And I think how 90 to 95% of Colts fans are feeling about Jeff Saturday being the potential head coach, right? Especially with the extensive search you've done, Derek, 
it would almost seem disrespectful to kind of gloss over all these other guys, you know, the other five guys, you know, that we have on this list and the other guys that you didn't get second interviews to that have worked their way up, right? Like it just would almost seem disrespectful in that way to do this extensive search and then just settle on the guy because you have an emotional connection to him. You just, you can't afford to do that if you care about the future of this franchise. And so hopefully the Colts don't do that, but uh, we just wanted to put Jeff on here because I think he has gotten a second interview because of that, Derek, honestly, because of the emotional connection that Jim Irsay has to Jeff Saturday. I, I really think that's it. But Right now that he sits at the bottom of our list, we don't have to keep going on this and, and harping on this. You guys are going to have your opinions no matter how much we try to explain our side of things. So let's move on to number five, and that would be Wink Martindale, uh, the defensive coordinator of the New York Giants. So interesting, Derek, that Wink right now has gotten a second interview where Mike Kafka has not yet, which I think is just kind of interesting given the circumstances and given the fact that you know, I thought that the Colts would go after Kafka with what he had done, you know, working with Daniel Jones, working with the Giants offense. But Martindale gets the nod here. What are your thoughts on here on him here at number five? And of course, like what you with Kafka working in the quarterback room of the Chiefs, right? Being under Pat Patrick Mahomes and working with right. him and knowing what that is. I mean, you know, that sort of experience. But yeah, like you said, another surprise to say the least uh, with Martindale and you know, I think you and I both agreed that, you know, when we heard about that, it wasn't necessarily a uh, a terrible decision on you and I's part. We kind of talked about it and said, you know, looking at what the Giants defense has done all year, despite there not being, you know, elite talent on that roster, you know, it has still been a average to even above average defense at times and has oftentimes even been a really good defense at times. So, you know, things like that, it's been made you think, oh, okay, well, this guy definitely knows what he's talking about. But again, it's just another defensive minded guy that I question, you know, how it's going to work out in the long run. Um, I don't question his ability for game management, but Again, the same question that I had with Jeff Saturday's ability. Who does he bring in and who? how is he going to develop a quarterback that you're about to bring in? That's the biggest question mark I have. So um, that's why I feel Martindale deserves to be, you know, towards the bottom of this list as we speak. Yeah, I mean, a little bit, you know, one of the older candidates here that you'll see and one of the guys that's kind of just like a, He's a good, you know, he's been a coordinator for a long time. He's definitely a, a vet in that way, but I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me compared to some of these other guys that I think you would probably be a little bit more excited for. You know, like you talked about in a guy that could, you know, and some other guys that could, uh, you know, bring another staff or have, you know, shown some things, um, you know, either working with quarterbacks or just as interim head coaches or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I think Winks, Winks of you know, a fine coordinator for a long time but as a head coach especially with you know him being you know up there in age I want a guy that's going to be here for 10 to 15 years you know that's the obviously the ultimate goal is to have an Andy Reid type of guy right that's going to be here for a long long time and is going to develop a quarterback but um and I just don't think for me Wink's that guy um I think he's a like I said great coordinator he's been in doing it a long time um he's had some success but yeah I think there's just a couple other guys here that do it for me a little bit more yeah Agreed. Cool. All right, let's move on to number four. Who would that be? Uh, that was, for you and I, we 
discussed it and said it was going to be Rich Basaccia, the Green Bay special teams coordinator. Uh, very interesting one. Uh, I was surprised by, you know, when we were recording this, we, he got the second interview today, which is, again, a very odd one because, you know, there's so many other guys, but apparently there's something about what Rich did in the first interview that impressed the Colts, and they're going to bring Bisaccia back. Um, again, another veteran in this league that has had some uh, short-term head coaching experience being an interim uh, in some areas. So a guy that has had some of that experience with being in a game management situation. Uh, but again, it's another one, Cody, that really surprises me. Uh, I don't know what you feel about Bisaccia coming back in for a second interview, but it definitely surprised me. It was a little bit surprising, but then I kind of look at, we talked about this off air. I mean, you can't ignore what he did with the Raiders a couple of years ago. I believe it was last year, right? When the whole Gruden situation went down and then Masashia stepped in as the interim. And, uh, you know, for all the stuff we've talked about, how, you know, Saturday wasn't put in a great situation. Masashia really wasn't either yeah. um, with this Raiders team. And, and what did he do? He, you know, led them to the playoffs and, and they were a very competitive team, you know, throughout uh, that the rest of his tenure there. And so, so Derek, I, I see Bisaccia and I, I kind of think of it from a Colts perspective here. It's like, you see this guy who was not put in a great situation, but he got the best out of these players. And you think, what could he potentially do with a full-time head coaching gig, right? What could he potentially do with, you know, having a full off season? You know, if he was able to do that much in that short span of time, I could see where the Colts are coming from in that way. Where it's like, this guy's a motivator. You know, that's the kind of thing I feel like the Colts are going to try to get in some way is a little bit more of a fiery guy in there, right? A guy that's going to hold players accountable. And that heck, that's the whole reason they brought in Saturday as the interim coach is because they wanted more accountability. And I feel like this is a guy that, you know, is going to get the most out of his players. And so that's kind of what I see from their perspective. But, you know, you look at this guy and, uh, you know, special teams coordinator. So that always kind of has you scratching your head a little bit like, oh, wow. Special teams coordinator, interesting. Um, but, yeah, as far as Masashia goes, he has some head coaching experience, so I think he definitely deserves to be ahead of probably the other couple guys here. Um, and uh, he's shown some success at the head coach level. So, for me, I think that warrants enough of a look here at number four. And, uh, you know, not my favorite candidate per se, but, uh, you know, I'm glad they gave him a second interview at least. Mm -hmm. I agree with you there. Uh, let's go on to number three, and that is Ejero Evero, Broncos defensive coordinator. He was brought in for a second interview as well. I mean, you look at what Evero you know, was given with the Denver defense. There was obviously some talent there. Then losing Bradley Chubb, you know, partway through the season and still having that defense play at the level it was playing, it kind of gave you similar vibes to, to Gus Bradley and what he did with the Colts defense this last year. Uh, with kind of a an inept offense for most of the year in Denver, but the defense was continually week in and week out, you know, putting in what they needed um, in order to, uh, you know, be competitive in games. And and Denver won them a couple games because of their defense. And so uh, Evero's a guy, he has some experience on both sides of the ball, very bright uh, mind here. And I think he's definitely uh, one of those guys that he feels like he's been kind of a riser recently. There's been a lot of people that, you know, nothing but good things to say about Ajero Evero. And uh, I do think he, uh, it, it is interesting to have a guy that was a passing game coordinator as well as working on the defensive side of things. So he's kind of had a little bit of, of experience everywhere. 
Why do you have him at three here, Derek? Why is Evero here? Well, I mean, for like you said, the exact same reason that we talk about what the Colts defense was able to do mostly all year with the fact that the Colts offense was one of, if not the worst offenses in all football this year, your defense was able to still put you in games. And it was the same thing for the Denver Broncos. I think they said, Cody, that if the Broncos had scored 20 points every game this year, then they would have only lost three games. They'd only lost three games. It might be four. I might be tripping on it, but nevertheless, still 13 or 14 wins with that defense. I mean, that just, if your offense just put up 20 a game, 20, I mean, it just goes to show you just how bad they were this last year offensively, but how elite defensively they were this last year. It was the same thing we talk about with D'Amico Ryans. Already took a good defense, but made it practically elite at just about everything that it did. And then still, when you traded away your best pass rusher, maybe your best defensive player altogether midseason, you still had them playing at an elite level. Never let them get down. Never let them use an excuse. They just... They just balled, man. That's just what they did. And it's a fantastic thing to uh, see. I mean, it's one of those situations where you feel like he could get something out of his unit, right? Like he's obviously doing something that makes you think, oh, this guy's got a handle on what he does. And that's exactly why you have him here. Now, again, people have the same question marks, right? Like, what's he going to do offensively? How's he going to manage a game? All of this thing. That, those are obviously questions that you still have to deal with. But, you know, from what we heard is the Colts had a relatively good chat with him uh, with his second interview. So definitely would not be shocked to uh, see him be, you know, maybe a final contender. Who knows? He might be one of the you know, they might knock it down to like three or four guys and Vero might be one of them. You never know. I mean, it'll be very interesting, but um, Vero has done some great things with the Denver defense. Uh, just matters on whether or not he's going to be able to influence Ballard and Ursay that he can do the same thing on the offensive side of the ball. Yep. Yep, exactly. I do wonder, you know, who's he going to bring in? That, that's always a question we have for all these head coaching interviews. But I do think he's a guy that, you know, has a little bit more experience. I think he's going to have a few more connections um, as well. So uh, I'm not as concerned with a guy like Evero, who's been in the league a little bit longer and stuff like that. Um, so moving on to our top two. Um, and this second guy here um, is a guy that, actually just got interviewed or is got requested for his second interview as we're recording on a Sunday. He got it today. Um, and that is offensive coordinator for the Eagles, Shane Steichen. And we already know, we, we talked about it in the last video that we had on put up on Sunday night, what Steichen has been able to do, man, with this Eagles offense, specifically with young quarterback Jalen Hurts and how he's been able to develop him into a quarterback that's probably going to be the highest paid quarterback here very soon. And not just that, but just the offense in general for the Eagles. They've been so balanced this year between run and pass, and they've just been virtually unstoppable for this entire season. So talk to me here, Derek, just about Shane Steichen and why he is our number two candidate here. 
Yeah. And, you know, number two and number one, I know Cody and I, when we were talking about this, we were like saying it's almost like one A, one B. You know, it's kind of like back and forth, whichever one you kind of want to talk about. Um, So obviously, you know, both of these two that we have here, we're very high on. But Steichen, again, from what the other video we were talking about is, again, his ability and what he's done with this Eagles group. Now, everyone wants to give credit to Nick Sirianni, Cody, and I totally get it. You know, I mean, Nick Sirianni is the biggest aspect in what the Eagles have done recently with these, with the way they're playing right now. But of course, when you talk about this team, it's the one thing that always irks me. And it's just like this for every team. The head coach will get all the blame when things go sour. And they'll also get a ton of the credit when you start winning all these games. And the guys who are also on his staff are not getting enough credit for what they do. Now, of course, Nick Sirianni does have a huge aspect in that. But what Steichen has done with this Eagles team, I mean, this is a pretty much outside of A.J. Brown, which obviously is a huge acquisition, right, from this last year, of course. But this is pretty much the same offense from last year, and it is tenfold better than what it was in 2021. They are clearly better by a long shot, and that's because guys like Steichen have been able to help develop this offense along with Sirianni. You've developed Jalen Hurts, really amplified his game, took him from People were wondering if he's going to be an elite quarterback to this offseason might get the biggest mega extension that any NFL quarterback has ever seen. That's what we're hearing now. Miles Sanders, who had a down year uh, two years ago, and even this last year wasn't a elite running back this year in the biggest games has been averaging over a hundred yards per game in the playoffs. So Miles Sanders is getting involved. Other running backs are getting involved. They're able to spread the field. They don't, you have no idea where they're going with the ball. AJ Brown in the playoffs hasn't even been their best receiver. It's been Devontae Smith and it's been Dallas Goddard. It's not even been AJ Brown. And of course, Nick Sirianni has told you he's been calling plays. It's mostly psyching at this point. That's calling all the plays. So, I mean, if that just doesn't show you how he has helped develop this offense, which has been a top four offense in the NFL this year, that was, you know, potentially top 10 last year to bona fide top five this year, just goes to show you what he has been able to do. He obviously there, you're going to take a question mark on anybody who is underneath a great head coach, of course, but just look at the responsibilities he's had and what the differences have been done because of him. And that's why Steichen is number two and probably could be even higher on a lot of people's lists because of what has transpired with the Philadelphia Eagles this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is enticing that he does call plays because I was just thinking about this actually as I was watching the Eagles game earlier. I was like, man, we kind of forget that Frank Reich wasn't calling plays for Philadelphia, if my memory serves correctly. It was Doug Peterson. And so we always had a, you know, at least for me, I don't know if you did, Derek. I had question marks about Frank's Frank's play calling at times, right? And it felt like he just like wouldn't give that up no matter what. And it was funny because it's like, dude, you didn't call plays in Philly. So why are you so like gung-ho on calling the plays here in Indy? But 
you know, with Steichen, he's had experience there doing it at an elite level, like a Super Bowl caliber level. And to me, that is the difference. I know people like to compare, oh, the Colts are just going after full, former Philly, you know, offensive coordinators and stuff. But I just, there's just so much of a difference to me between Steichen and Reich in the fact that, like, Steichen's actually calling the plays, right? He's actually doing these things that Reich wasn't doing. Reich's a, you know, good coach, I think, a great man, but Reich wasn't calling plays. He wasn't doing what Steichen's doing. He just wasn't. And so I look at that, and that to me makes Steichen just, as the days go on, makes him more of an interesting prospect to me. And if you're talking about a guy that, you know, I know we've been really high on Brian Callahan, but Steichen's done great work over there with the Eagles as well with their young quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, I really think he he could be one of those top candidates, um, and that's why he is number two here. But, you know, moving on to our number one, it's been a guy that I think has kind of been the the front runner, if you will, um, for, you know, the head coaching position. And I think the biggest reason why we have Raheem Morris here at number one is simply because I feel like out of all these candidates, Derek, and you can disagree with me on this, Morris is going to bring the best staff with him. I love Steichen. I think he is the best offensive, you know, coach on the market here. But I think Raheem Morris could be a really, really good offensive mind to pair with him. Um, and he's had head coaching experience. What are your thoughts on Raheem Morris here as the number one guy? I think a ton of people have really uh, been intrigued by um, the Re- Raheem Morris idea of this and anyone that doesn't follow it a lot would just say, Oh, just look at his record as a head coach. People have to understand that was over a decade ago. The last time he was a head coach and he was 32 years old at that time was the youngest head coach ever in the league at that time. You have to understand the circumstances. And he had Josh Freeman as his quarterback. I don't know if anyone remembers Josh Freeman, but in case you're too young to remember Josh Freeman, Josh Freeman was not a very good quarterback. I'm just saying. Um, And listen, I don't remember um, what YouTube show or whatever show this is that he went on with Ryan Clark and the other guys. But he talked about how that went down and how... um, you know, how they lost those last 10 games in a row when they were off to a great start. They lost 10 in a row. And then he said, you know, I got canned because, you know, I, I I failed. I messed up. I didn't do good enough to make our team win. And that falls on me. I'm a head coach. I have to accept it. I got to own it. I understand that. And, you know, like when I hear him talk, it's just a, it's a like a sense of this guy gets it. This guy understands. He holds himself accountable. Other guys say they hold themselves accountable. This one actually sounds like he does. And this guy's been around the league for quite a few years now, but yet is one of the younger candidates in this whole uh, approach, Cody, which is really funny because I think he's what? 46, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, he's a pretty young guy and and he's been in the league now for 21 years, 21 years, been in the league for a long time. He's been in the league for half his life. And, you know, he brings a lot of experience. He's got those connections. Like you said, Um, there was a lot of different situations. I feel Raheem Morris from a professional standpoint can bring a lot of good things to you, understands how the game works. Um, and does have that experience as both, you know, 
calling offensive plays and calling defensive plays. He has experience on both sides, while the majority of it has been on the defensive side of things. I just think, again, I think he's an amazing mentor for uh, the quarterback that you're about to bring in. I think from a standpoint of keeping a guy's head on straight, Raheem Morris can be that guy for sure. He's got a fire to him, which I think is a great thing for this team. Uh, When things are going well, he's hyped up. When things are bad, he's going to let you know about it. That's the thing that I like about Raheem Morris. And you just ask anyone that's been associated with him. I know uh, Rashad uh, has definitely had some experience talking with him and knows him pretty well. And I've asked him, you know, what's his thoughts on him? He says it's it's his time, man. It's his time to, you know, get that opportunity. And I wouldn't I wouldn't disagree. Uh, I think Raheem Morris is a very solid candidate. Um, could he be the best one? I don't know. I don't think so, but. What I believe is, is I think he can provide a stability coming into this locker room that we didn't have over the last year and a half. And I think that's what's important right now is to build a new culture around a guy that actually is, that can gain the respect of his players. And I think uh, Raheem Morris could be that guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think that's huge, you know, setting that culture, like you talked about, setting that. And, you know, you can be as good of a play caller as you want, but if your culture stinks, we've seen it. Like, the Colts culture has stunk the last year and a half. And because of that, doesn't matter how mu- how many players you have, you know, it doesn't matter how good your schemes are. Um, if your culture stinks and you don't know how to win and you don't hold each other accountable, I mean, you're going to be – there's a reason the Colts are picking number four in the draft. Like, and that's a big reason why. So, yeah, I think Raheem Morris, Shane Steichen, they're both up there for me. You know, obviously, if Callahan or – if D'Amico Ryans or if Mike Kafka, if one of those guys gets it, they might be up there as well. But as it stands right now, guys, those are our top six candidates that have gotten second interview requests from the Indianapolis Colts. Some guys have already interviewed. Some guys are still to interview this week. But let us know your thoughts, guys, on these six candidates. Who are your top six candidates? Let us know those as well in the comments. But that'll do it for this one, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, go Colts. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.